Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. It was such a treat today. I am in love already with all of the women on the screen because we were just chatting before we pushed record. And I was just saying that I am excited to do this on Women's History Month because each and every one of the women that I see before me is making history in their own way. And so the purpose of today's conversation is just to, as all of the conversations, just to really share their story about being a breadwinner, which most of us know that in history, we couldn't, we couldn't have businesses without permission from the husbands. We, and God forbid, if you out earn your husband, like most of the time you just had to stay home. And so I love, love, love that each one of you all come with your own version of being the breadwinner. And so I would love for each and every one of you to tell us, because this, this podcast episode is about being the breadwinner and being in business. So starting with you, Sarah, would you please tell us a little bit about um, what you do in the online space and tell us a, the version of your breadwinning story? Like, what does it look like in your household? Thank you. Um, my name is Sarah Bybee Fisk, and I'm a coach for women, and I teach them to stop people-pleasing. And the, I teach that because it was a very painful lesson I had to learn to become the, the breadwinner <clears throat> in our home. And my husband has been, um, we've been married for almost 23 years. It'll be 23 years in April. And so we had a very um, typically gendered role existence where he worked, I stayed home with kids. We have five kids together. And, and so um, it, it just seemed like that's what I was going to do. And my mom worked growing up, but it was because our family uh, was really having financial hardships. And so when I saw her work, it was always this sad thing. She was just so sad that she had to work and she was sad that she couldn't be with us. And so I, I always had the idea that if a wife or the mother or the, the woman in the house has to go work, it's because something has gone wrong right? There's, there's a problem, there's a financial problem that the husband isn't able to solve all by himself. And that it's really sad. It's a really sad thing to leave your children. And so when I decided to become a coach, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to create with it, but um, what I loved about it and what uh, I, I think when you love your job and you put yourself out there, you make money doing it. And so I did. And then that allowed me to be in the position of making enough money to support our family of five, which blows my mind. And for my husband to step back and work on a project that he really wanted to, he's had this idea that he wanted to develop for a long time. And, and he's like, I, if you can support the family, I can go do this. And I just loved that. Not only <clears throat> do I get to work with like excitement and passion but that it allows him to do something that he has really wanted to do. And so, yeah, 
I'm supporting our family. It just involves <laughs> of five, like holy. I mean, that could know because it's of seven because you've got five oh, kids yeah. plus you and the hubby. And like, three, three of those kids are adults and in college, and so um, I, I and I still can't believe it. Oh, so beautiful. But I also totally can, as, as at the same time, because I've I've worked really hard, and I'm sure everybody else here. We're hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, whether your your coaching business is fully supporting the family or you're in corporate and building the coaching business, you're still you still had to create enough value in the world to be able to do that. And so, Amber, can you tell us a little bit about what you do in the coaching space and the corporate space and um, a little bit about your breadwinner situation? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So hi, Amber Anderson. Um, I am a coach for women in leadership, and that's also what I do in the corporate space. So I'm a learning and leadership effectiveness director in corporate, and I lead a 10-person team in my corporate job as well. So my breadwinner situation is kind of um, comical in a way because my husband and I, we've been married for almost 19 years. It'll be 19 years in June, and we actually met at a job over 20 years ago, we sat in cubicles next to each other. And when we were just like little early 20 somethings. Um, And so we had the same title, the same salary, the whole nine. And, you know, 21, 22 years later, um, I have continued to kind of be very ambitious career-wise and climb the corporate ladder and start uh, my coaching business where he has been very comfortable just kind of hanging out at that same level for the past 20 years. So he was laid off from his job in June last summer. And we just had a chat about how miserable he was being in a sales career his whole life. And he would really love to stay home and be a a house manager is his new title that we call it. And we have five kiddos, but ours are all canines. So we have five dogs. (laughs) So he takes care of them and he takes care of me and has given me the the space like the guilt-free space to really lean into building my coaching business um since he's officially you know decided to stay home from work so it's been pretty amazing that way very cool thank you for sharing that holly our veteran in the group please tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about what you do in the coaching space and you know I when you told me you were in the Navy and stuff like I want to hear all of the things so please tell us sure so I'm Holly Lewis I'm a leadership and engagement coach and I specifically love working with overachievers people who put a lot of freaking pressure on themselves to uh, achieve. (laughs) And um, I have a a special place in my heart for healthcare as well. I have been a uh, software product manager for the last 30 years, um, creating um, pharmacy software in particular. And uh, so I know a lot about pharmacy. My mother was also a nurse (laughs) and um, So I have lots of friends that are nurses and respiratory techs and doctors and all the things. And I joined the Navy when I was 19 years old. I was an electronics technician in the Navy. And when I got out, I met my husband. I had a job as a network administrator at a local community college. And I decided to go back to college for my computer science degree. And, um, Pretty much from the very get-go, my husband and I have been married for 29 years this April, 
And we pretty much from the get go, we treated everything like we were a team. And we basically he kind of similar to Amber, he's not the most ambitious of sorts. And he knew I was and he has had my back the entire time. And it has been amazing, really. And he acts as my uh, personal assistant as well. I can't tell you the last time I've been in a grocery store, a bank, any of those kinds of things. I, I haven't done laundry in 29 years. I, I don't know. So, and he just is totally amazing. And um, he, you know, he had several different jobs and he started his own business. At one point, I encouraged him to do that. And, uh, but he basically retired two years ago and, um, because of everything that I have done throughout my career to provide for us financially, we're now financially able to neither one of us work if we don't want to. And I just love coaching because I feel like it's my calling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, even if I did it for free for the rest of my life, I would do it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a little bit about me. That is so, so cool. Thank you for sharing that. And Tyson. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell us all the things. Like, what kind of coach are you? And tell us about your breadwinner situation. All the things. Um, okay. Well, my name is Tyson Stahl. I'm the RN Life Coach. And what that means is that I am a nurse and I'm also a coach. And I think that that makes me really special because I can help you medically. I know when to look out for things. And also I can coach you on your thoughts. So you're safe no matter what with me. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, and I specifically, because I'm a labor and delivery nurse, I specifically coach pregnant women. That is, that is who I help. Um, my journey in this topic area uh, is really different than everybody else's, which I think is really cool. Like we all have such different stories. And so just, just acknowledging that is awesome right off the bat. But mine was totally different. Um, I first, I thought I was going to be on Broadway. And then I decided I was going to be a nurse. And then I decided I was going to be a life coach. So I've taken all of those things. And while I was nursing, I was able to, when COVID hit, uh, support our family, because my husband is a musician. And so he was working in bars and gigging and all of a sudden he couldn't do that anymore. And that was literally the minute that I found coaching. And so both of us decided that we were gonna do this. He was gonna build a business and, and engage people musically and teach them kind of what I was bringing home and teaching him. And then I was gonna do it. Eventually, I'll get out of the hospital. Not yet. I'm not ready yet, but I'm going to eventually and be a full-time coach. But it has allowed for all of that throughout COVID. We never had to worry about anything. And I felt very, very privileged to be one of those people. That's my and story. And can we just pause and say, I love your hubby. Hello, Finn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so As funny because- I know. Yeah, I 
mean that he's awesome because sometimes we'd be on a call and then his little head would pop out. And so he was learning through osmosis and ear hustling. (laughs) Osmosis, man. We talk about this all the time. This is all we do. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many places I could go with this. So Sarah, before we started rolling, you were talking about your your background and how proud you were of what you've been able to accomplish. Can you like expand on that thought for us a little bit? Yes, I grew up um, in a very conservative religion, and in in it it was just always I just was kind of brewed in this in this home environment and religious environment that women the best highest use of their time, talents, energy was to raise children, um, that women are nurturers, that women are the, 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 like the soft, squishy ones who stay home and they facilitate their husband being able to go and work and that that's the way God wants things. And I mean, that's fine. I, I, I just realize now that God wants what I want <laughs> and and that as I have, you know, kind of disengaged with, with that religious culture, I also realized that one of the most damaging things that happened for me was that the patriarchy also existed. And I, I just wasn't even really aware of what that was, but this idea <clears throat> that men are better qualified to run things. They know more, they, they make better decisions. They are better equipped mentally and physically to be the rulers and the decision makers and the, and, and what I saw was that what my religious upbringing had essentially done was taken patriarchy's ideas and put those words in God's mouth. Mm -hmm. And so I just really believed that that was, that was true. And I love I love every single one of my children. I'm really grateful that we had them and that I am raising them. And I always wanted, there was, whenever I would sit still, which wasn't often, and I may even get a little emotional as I talk about this, because I just remember just thinking, is this it? Is this, is this like everything for me? And what happens once this job is done? Once, once I've raised these kids and they're off in the world, like, where am I in all this, what I want, what I need. And so that was kind of the, the little discontent that was kind of always bubbling there beneath the surface. I didn't have a lot of time to pay attention to it when my kids were young, but I think what we want, we can't hide it. And it doesn't just go away. We might be able to cover it up with things for a long time and ignore it and not pay attention, but eventually I just, I wanted something for me. I wanted something that I could create, that I could be a part of. And I, I tried some things. I started a philanthropic organization that I love and I'm still involved with, but also I wanted to earn money. I wanted money. I wanted money that I earned. And when I, when I could let myself want that and not feel guilty about it, why do you want money? You have enough. You should be grateful for what you have. You, your husband has done such a good job providing for your family. Why do you need more? Like all those voices were very, very loud. And I, and the guilt and the shame for like, why are you so discontent with what 
You have so much. You should be grateful. You should just be content with what you have. When I let myself want that, and I I called that wanting good myself, like I decided it was good. It was like I just exploded. And um, there's some really funny stories because my husband is an entrepreneur and he would watch what I was doing. And he has this like MBA background and he's like, you're doing it wrong. Where are your spreadsheets? Where are your, you know, where's your cash flow statement? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just doing this because I want it. All right. And you watch the cash flow into the account. That's where your cash flow statement was. <laughs> That's all I needed. I didn't need any other spreadsheets or cash flow statements other than I just wanted the money coming in. And and it felt so good to put value into the world and to be paid for that value. It was so amazing. Yeah. So I'm curious, did anybody else have uh, any like guilt or any any other maybe uncomfortable emotion that came up around having what you had and then wanting more? And did you have any discussions with your partner, with your husband about what you were doing? Because all it sounds like the rest of you all had some kind of career and then you went into coaching. So I guess I would, I'd be curious to hear from each of you, what was that conversation like? Uh, Amber? So I don't actually remember a time when there wasn't something in addition to my corporate career brewing, at least like in my dreams of building something, having more, doing more. And there are moments still today that I envy my husband a little bit because he is just really okay with exactly where he is, exactly where we are. And like, he likes nice things. Don't get me wrong. He he doesn't like shake a stick at our lifestyle or anything like that. But I do sometimes wish that I wasn't always striving for the next thing whether it's, you know, growing my business or getting the next certification or getting the next promotion. Um, So I have moments now where I reflect on why am I still striving for more? Like I can't seem to not always be looking for the next thing. Um, So there was never really a time where we sat down and had a conversation as far as I want to start a business. Mm -hmm. There was a time, I think when I finally realized like I felt more comfortable in, in my skin with my own ambition in that space, because before I discovered coaching, before I became a coach, I had judgment, um, of his lack of wanting to do something more extra. I kind of thought like, why are you okay with, you know, the role that you have and the salary that you have and the house that we have and all those things. Um, but once I learned, you know, how to manage my mind, and focus on myself and not other people, I was able to release that judgment from him. And, and it, our marriage improved so much more. I wasn't like outwardly judging towards him, just like in, in my mind. Um, so that was not really a conversation we've ever had. He's always been really, really supportive. It's more a conversation I have in my own brain with like, are you going to ever just kind of be okay with the way things are? And I'm very, very happy. And I want more always, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. I understand that completely. And Holly, I'm like, I need, I don't know what your husband's name is, but I need one of them. (laughs) That's what I feel like right now after hearing all of the the wonderful things that he does. I'm curious, like when you went from, I know you said you went through Corinne Crabtree's program and that's part of what sparked your interest in becoming a coach. Like, Mm -hmm. what was that conversation like 
with him when you're like, yes, and I want to do this thing called coaching. Yeah, I so we had always had a plan that I was going to retire at uh, 55. And uh, so it was coming up. Um, I, I joined Corinne's program in 2019. And just something that she said about, you know, it's not you, it's a process problem. It just really, really sparked with me because I, I'm all into the process, you know, optimization of processes and, and all the things. And it just, I was like, you know, I think I, I really want to do that. And so I started having a conversation with my husband about, you know, I think I really want to get certified. And since I want to retire in July of 2021, I think I'll start it in September. That way I'll be certified right when, when that all happens. And he's like, okay, whatever you want. Right. And then what happened was I was traveling pretty extensively for my job at the time. Um, and like I was gone several days a week, usually two or three weeks a month. And uh, so I couldn't really do like a class, right. Cause I was working 14 hours a day, just sleeping in my hotel and you know, all the, all the fun things about corporate travel that they never tell you right in the books. And so he, um, what happened was my travel ended up getting canceled because of COVID. So my company decided no travel. And so I was like, huh, I could have taken this class, right? Cause it was in March. And I swear to you, the very next day, I got an email from the life coach school saying that they opened a special, uh, ad- you know, uh, fast track certification. Did I want in? And I was like, click the button, take my money. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened. And, uh, you know, it just, it, and everything just cl- so clearly clicked for me. I've always been really interested in the brain and how people react to certain situations. And I've always been very, very interested in inclusion and diversity and, you know, judgment and why, you know, why do people react one way and other people react another way? And, um, I've just been always really fascinated by that. And, I love helping people see what their filters are and so that they can choose whether or not they want to keep them or not. I love that. So it sounds like your hubby was all in. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. And so what about you, Tyson? What was the conversation? You started talking about it a little bit, but what (laughs) was the conversation? I feel like I kind of said this already, but like, yeah, he, he bends, you know, bends, bends. So when I bring an idea to him, he says, yes. That's just what happens. And then we do that thing. And so this was just another one of the long lines of things that I said, I think I want to be a coach. And he was like, cool. And I was like, awesome. And then I brought home all the tools and he was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense actually. And so it sort of has morphed from there. I think he's probably going to be a coach one day. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm curious for, I think Sarah and Amber, you're, you were in a position, maybe, maybe not as much you Amber, but like if the roles changed, right. Where the husband was the in one role in the relationship and then it changed. What was that transition like for you all? Like if you could share a little bit, maybe Sarah and then Amber. It was interesting um, because again, we both, my husband is a, a good, loving, kind man who also had these ideas about what women do and what men do. And so when I said, who's doing dinner tonight? 
I think there was a momentary like, uh, well, you've always done it. I'm like, yeah, but I'm now working. I'm now working the same hours that you are. And I think it actually took him a while to really believe that this was that coaching wasn't just going to be a hobby for me. And um, when he saw how much money I was making, he was flabbergasted, first of all. And also like, how are you doing this? You have no spreadsheets. You have no, <laughs> there's like not a spreadsheet in your computer. How is this happening? Because he just had this very, very like MBA, this, like, this is how you run, you start and run a business. And so on two different fronts, he was, he was trying to give me advice and I'm like, okay, thanks, honey. You're doing dinner, (laughs) you know? And, and we were trying to like renegotiate these roles that we had been living for like 20 years. Because when we got married, I was a teacher. I became a teacher because it was an easy role to be in as, you know, maybe a mom and not and a very easy role to go into and come out of. I love teaching, but I chose it because I wanted to be a mom. And so we were renegotiating lots of things at once. And oftentimes he, he had this also, he had this idea that this is how you build a business. And when I wasn't following those rules, sometimes he wanted to sit down and tell me about how he thought I should be following these rules and how it would be better for me. And it came from a good place, but to say to him, like, I'm going to do it my way and it's not going to look like your way. And you can have whatever thoughts and feelings you have about that, but I don't necessarily want to hear them all. And that was a really, really important thing for me to step into because he was a very successful entrepreneur. And so part of my brain was like, I should listen to him. I should follow what he's telling me to do. I should make a damn spreadsheet. But I just couldn't do it. And like that little wanting inside me that I was talking about was like, no, you know how to do this. Trust you. He's done it his way. He's had his turn. You do it your way. And so we, I think we're at a very amazing space now where we share equally in a lot of the things that were just kind of always my job. And we are also able to have an understanding about the way my business is running, that it's mine and that it's so successful that he can't necessarily argue with that anymore, but he's also just given me the space to just create and do. Okay, Sarah, I got to ask you a very important question now based on that. So two, I think, how did you get to the place where you could trust yourself and that voice in you that said, I know how to do this? And the second question would be, how did you get strong enough, if that's the correct word, to have that kind of conversation with your husband about, no, this is my business and I'm not using spreadsheets. It was practice. Like I had never growing up the way I did. And I think this applies to to a lot of women, whether or not you're in the same kind of maybe conservative background, conservative religious group that I grew up in, women are told what we should want and how we should do it. And so I think 
to put all of that aside for just a second and to practice finding that wanting in me and trusting that, yeah, some days I want to run away and never look back, right? Like that wanting is not the same as I want a chocolate chip cookie. And that wanting is not the same as I want the green one or the blue one. There's a deeper wanting that is my soul, my, my me. And I've covered it up with all these other, you know, things that I've been told I should want, but I practice like sinking down into it and finding that. And it feels just like a little, in the beginning, it just felt like tiny. And all it said was, I just want more. I just want more. And I'm like, well, more what? More what? More what? More what? And practicing listening to that and then honoring it. I feel like when we, as women plug into that, it is sacred. And if you are not prepared to honor it, even in some small way, even if you can't do everything that that wanting tells you to just a little bit, that's what I did. Mm. And as that grew and became stronger, I had a lot more confidence to just say, this is what I want. And I don't have to justify it. I don't have to give you good reasons why, because I did a lot of that in the beginning. Like, well, this is why, this is my, how I'm thinking this is. And I'm like, F that. I'm not sure if we can swear or not, but um, this is what I want. And I don't have to have a good reason for it. It's there. And because it's there, it's good. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Amber, any, like, what was it like when y'all changed roles a little bit? Um, well, it's been interesting because even in my corporate career, much like Holly, um, in my previous role, especially and before COVID, I did a lot of global travel. So I would be gone for a week or two at a time. So my husband was pretty used to doing the heavier lifting as far as the household is concerned. And he actually enjoys cooking more than I do. For example, he enjoys cleaning. He's, I don't understand. Um, he loves his steam mop. Like it's so strange. I would do like grocery shopping and vet, vet visits and things. So it was kind of, he always did the heavier lift, but it was, I did some things. Makes me sound a wee bit lazy now that I'm saying it out loud. But when we decided in June that he would stay home and had that conversation, um, it was very intentional about like, no, literally like you, I am here for him saying this to me. I'm here for whatever you need. Like I will take care of everything. So you don't have to worry about anything as far as the household is concerned. He checks in like every morning, like, you know, what's for lunch today? What do you need? What time's your break? Like what's for dinner? Like it's ready for me at noon or whatever my break is that I walk out and he has things ready to go. We laugh at he just you'll see an arm come into the zoom and like refill coffee in the morning and then he like slowly backs out and all of the women at work are just like what is happening right now like who is that man and so he has a lot of fun with it too and he plays it up a little bit um and I try to like on my end when things so for example many dirty dishes in the sink recently so I tried to like kind of be playful about it like, I don't want you to be surprised at your annual performance review. Like, that's not fair to you. So I just want to let you know, I'd like you to do a better job of keeping the kitchen clean. <laughs> like, it's one of your new primary job responsibilities in heat, and it's been spotless since. So I'm really, like, trying to be lighthearted about it. He receives the feedback very well. So, you know, he's 
so not my employee, but I also am a leadership professional. So I try to like lean into that, uh, that side of me as a coach and, and leadership development director from corporate as well in the way we have these conversations. That is hilarious, Amber. I need whatever your husband's name, I need one of them and I need one of Holly's and I just need one of all of y'all. Just place in my order to the universe. Deliver it up, please. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> I think Holly and Tyson, can we talk just for a second about any challenges that you all have faced with being the breadwinner and building a business briefly? Holly, let's go with you and then you, Tyson. Yeah, I would say um, I was always very concerned about his ego. And I don't know that he was necessarily concerned about it, um, but I was always very concerned about, you know, how did he perceive the situation and did he um, feel like I was grateful uh, for everything that he was contributing. And so I, I always made it a point to really focus on, you know, the contribution as a whole for all of us as a team, right? Like I, I treated my family as a team basically, right? And similar to Amber, I've been a leader since I was 16 years old, right? And so I, 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 I looked at it as I was the leader of my team and I needed to make sure that everyone on the team was engaged and felt valuable. And so I guess that's kind of how I looked at it. And I felt like it was very important to, to make sure that he knew that I appreciated everything that he did, um, whether it was monetary or not. So I, I think that's, that's probably how I would answer that question is just making sure that I was very intentional about appreciation. Thank you, Tyson. Any challenges with being a breadwinner and building a business? Well, I actually wanted to speak to like sort of the opposite point of Sarah, because I thought Sarah did such a good job of explaining like what her thoughts were. And mine were so different that I wanted to draw attention to those two for the other group of women who are listening to this. I grew up with a mom who was a labor and delivery nurse. And so she was, in my opinion, very, very powerful and very, very independent um, the narrative was that we really didn't need dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he did what he did, but like he ran a radio station and we didn't really have a lot of, there wasn't a lot of, of what did you say? Pomp and circumstance before we started about that. Um, it was mom was the respected one. Mom was the one that went to work, um, 12 hours a day, three times a week and had two kids and paid a mortgage. And so that's where I came from. I remember my father saying to me when I was, I mean, they divorced when I was 10. So I was probably 12 when they like officially signed the papers. And my dad said, the fact that your mother can own a home without me is really, really cool. And it's something that I want you to watch. And so <clears throat> that's what I did is I, and there's negatives to that too. That sounds beautiful. And it is beautiful, but what I took away, the problem for me was that I decided that I was gonna do it all by myself. Mm -hmm. That I didn't need anybody because my mom didn't need anybody. And so 
unfortunately, that's what I am having to sort of dig my way through at this point is like, why am I making everything so hard? It doesn't actually have to be this hard. It could just be easy. But for whatever reason, I really want to dig through shit in order to get to the other side. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So that's Thank what I'm you. working on. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I would just say it's something for me too. Like you and I have a very similar story in that regard. Mm -hmm. My parents mm -hmm. got divorced. They separated, I think, when I was eight, divorced when I was 10. And so the, the narrative was you have to be able to take care of yourself. And so yeah. much to Holly's point, even now when I date, knowing that I'm one of the top earners in the country, that it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I am independent and I have these habits and ways of being, and I want to be respectful of, of the other person and, and thoughtful of their feelings and, and all of that stuff too. So I can totally appreciate that perspective. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that for everybody who, who might be on that side of, of the breadwinner um, circumstance, right? So I guess the, before I ask you on my last question, if we could just go round robin and if you'll tell everybody the best way to find you and follow you, if they want to connect with you and learn more. Sarah? Yes, my website is Sarah Fisk. S-A-R-A-F as in fun, I-S-K dot coach. I'm on Instagram, Seraphis Coaching, Facebook, Seraphis Coach. Okay, awesome. Amber? Um, I'm mostly on LinkedIn, so Coach Amber Anderson. Um, and my website is graceandgritcoaching.com. So that links out to all the socials too. I'm on Instagram a little bit. Not very good at Instagram, if I'm honest with you. Awesome. Holly. So I'm on LinkedIn as well under uh, Holly Lewis. And I'm also on Instagram at Holly Lewis Coaching. Thank you. And Tyson. Um, my website is thernlifecoach.com. And I am on Facebook primarily, Tyson Stahl on Facebook. And that's S T A H L. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. So the last question I have for each of you is, what is one piece of advice you would give your former self when it comes to business in general or business as the breadwinner? Sarah. When I first started coaching, um, I wrote this little card and I, I know this is a podcast, so you can't see it, but it's just a, a bright index card. And I filled it up with all of the negative emotions that I felt as I started my business. I was embarrassed. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was afraid. I felt clueless. And what I did was I wrote at the top of that card, which negative emotions am I willing to feel? And then every time I felt a new one, I would write it down. And I thought about it as the permission slip. Like I'm giving myself permission to feel these. And what I would tell my former self was, this is, this is not going to feel good all the time. And that's how it's supposed to feel. It's not going to feel amazing. But if you give yourself permission to feel all of the negative feelings, you can actually make them mean you're headed in the right direction. So now if I'm embarrassed, if I'm humiliated, if I feel uncertain about something, I can just feel that 
And I also make it mean like, yeah, this is right. This means go in this direction. Oh, that is so important because it's like we feel something that's uncomfortable and we're like, that means we're not cut out for this. So thank you for highlighting that. Amber. Yeah, mine would be something along the lines of, you know, be your biggest supporter, your biggest cheerleader or something like that. I just grab like I have post-its just everywhere. And my husband being the doll that he is, he will often like, I'll find a post-it in the middle. Like as I'm tearing them off, he like writes me little notes. And I was having a really rough day recently, a couple months ago. And I got to, you know, the post-it and it was just a little message that said, you're doing a great job. Keep up the, you know, good work. I love you. And I had that moment, like, why am I not like, why don't I believe in myself as much as he believes in me? If I believed in myself the much, as much as he believes in me, like I would be unstoppable. So I just, I wish I had those moments more often. I wish I would have started building the belief in myself and my capabilities way earlier on um, than I did. And I think that would have made a world of difference. And it makes the, the 50% of the gross feelings, right? The uncomfortable feelings a lot easier to bear and to get through when you have your own back. Yeah, I love that. Holly? So I would say uh, what I would uh, probably tell myself is um, you're overdosing on pressure. And, um, you know, because I really believe now that there is a correct dose of pressure that you put on yourself to achieve. And when you go too far, it completely affects the rest of your life, right? I was putting so much pressure on myself to achieve that I was ignoring my kids, ignoring my health, um, ignoring all kinds of things, right? In in the pursuit of achievement. And Mm -hmm. it was a really hard lesson to learn. I started having chest pains and, and all kinds of things, right? And I, I realized it was because I believed that I worked better under pressure. And so I was creating pressure all of the time, right? Because I believed that I worked better under pressure. And so once I unraveled that, my life has been amazing. Wow. I think you just helped some people with that too, Holly. Thank you. <laughs> Tyson. I was just going to say, man, I need to talk to her. Jeez. (laughs) Um, But I, you know what, Savannah, I, the, the thing that I would tell myself is actually what you taught me, believe it or not. And that is, this is my first like lesson as like a coach, really, because you were the first person I ever hired. And I, I, I learned that your brain and your body are connected in a way that you don't understand. And the more that you get going with that, the easier this work becomes. That's my theory. But, you know, I'm a nurse, so maybe that's why I I use the body so much. But I just feel like I wish someone had told me when I was younger, like, anger feels like this. Notice it. Notice how it feels. So that I could identify it and not be focused on the bullshit around me. You know what I mean? It was my girlfriend that made me mad. It was my boyfriend that pissed me off and that's just not what was true but I didn't have any idea what to do and the connection between the brain and the body for me has been tremendous 
it has changed everything. So first of all, thank you. And also, um, that's what I would tell myself. Oh. Oh, that just warms my heart in ways you cannot even imagine being a person who studied the body, like being a physical therapist. That's what I do. I study bodies. Yeah. I look at them, but I was disconnected from my own, like intellectually I understood, but emotionally I was, I was ignorant. And so to hear you reflect that back, really, like, I, I'm really getting choked up hearing you say that. So thank you so much for that reflection. And thank you ladies so much for just coming in here and being so generous with your time and your, just your life and being an example for so many others. And with that, I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Uh -huh.